Welcome to Chasing Life, Episode 6, for May 8th, 2023. Take, take... Take two. Take two? Take three? We've tried a couple of times. We had some technical difficulties. Anyways. So, what do we... So, this week, we... Through the week, we didn't have a lot... We didn't do a lot on the farm. Well, not a lot on the farm, but you went turkey hunting. I did. I went turkey hunting a couple of days. We still have some music playing in the background. Um, yeah, I went turkey hunting Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, I saw a bunch on Wednesday. I heard a bunch on Friday, but not nothing close enough to be able to get. So no, we are turkeyless for now. For now, gonna, when when are you going back? I don't know. I might try to do Wednesday Friday again this week. That worked well. Yeah, I mean it makes the morning really long because it's me with the boys from the ass crack of dawn until <laughs> you get home from work. Yeah, so it makes for a long morning, but and we've been trying to. Eliminate screens for Hudson. We're doing a little bit of a screen detox with him. Pretty successful now, too. Day four. Through a weekend. Yeah. But, you know, we were saying it right before we came out that it's so much easier to do when the weather is nice and we can just be outside. Because, I mean, worst case scenario, you just throw their shoes on and go outside and we can get into something. We got into stuff today. Bo loves being outside. He will always want to go outside. Mm -hmm. Hudson, on the other hand... Well, Could go either way. Yeah. Hudson takes some convincing sometimes to go outside, but for the most part, like he likes it when he's out. Mm-hmm. Just like today when you were coaching, I was, I had them out for probably a good hour and a bit. I had them out before. So it was probably about, about an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes or so. We were on the trampoline a bunch and I said to Hudson, like, it's getting kind of cold, buddy. Do you want to go in? No. Just wanted to put his jacket on. Yeah. He went and got his jacket. Bo was already wearing his jacket. He found one out back. Oh, that was from this morning because yeah. we were out at 7.30 this morning. So Bo brought that over to me. Yeah. We were out from 7.30 and then Hannah took the boys to the park at 10.30 so that I could train because I wanted to do a little bit of a workout today. So Hannah took the boys to the park. So they were outside from 7.30 this morning until they came in for naps at like 1 o'clock this afternoon. So And then they were out again by about 3.30 mm-hmm. while you were still grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. So it's probably three thirty. You hadn't left for grocery shopping when, no. it, when I was. I was outside when I saw you driving out. So they were out. They had like well, probably eight or ten hours outside today. Yeah, it's pretty good. Aside from naps. So hopefully, yep. they can kind of have a good sleep tonight. And tell me about your workout. Yeah. <laughs> so I did. Um, I was convinced by one of our members to join in the Rogue Total, um, which is your your t- sum total of three lifts: bench press, back squat and deadlift and rogue is currently doing a competition of sorts you just re- you register for the competition you but the the filming process is quite elaborate like their filming requirements are kind of ridiculous and i think james was a little bit um caught off guard or unprepared for that and so it took up a lot of time but um the rest of us weren't really doing it like we haven't registered for it we were just doing it for fun because james wanted people to lift lift with and so we all just like set the clock you have an hour to complete your lifts we all just set the clock and start started lifting like we kind of divvied it up like 20 minutes per lift and poor james like warmed up took his hour to warm up and then kind of had an idea of where he wanted to start for his lifts and then started filming and he had to weigh each plate that he was going to use and like put, put a piece of tape on each one and weigh it and initial it on camera. And then the scale wasn't working properly because we had the old weeding scale yeah. out in the gym and we put new batteries in it. And like, it was just, it was just such a hassle. So by this time, like he had already warmed up, then he's going through this whole filming process and then he gets to his barbell to actually do his lifts. And it just like his nervous system had just shut yeah. down. Like he wasn't warm anymore. Like he wasn't warm anymore. And he was, f- and like, Again, the the filming requirements were so specific that every lift had to have clips on. And the one lift he forgot to put clips on. So he he went to lift it again, but then he failed. And he was just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to try this another time. And I felt kind of bad because the rest of us were all having a really great time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, 
Kate PR'd two lifts. Kate PR'd her back squat. One of our coaches um, PR'd her back squat and her deadlift. So that was so awesome to see because she just had hip surgery back in October. So these are like lifetime PRs for her, not just like post-surgery PRs. So that was pretty, she put on a bit of a show today. So her her total was um, eight fifty seven. Yeah, so awesome. And mine was, um, 520. So I bench pressed, um, 130 pounds today. I back squatted 185 pounds and I deadlifted 205 pounds. So not too shabby. Yeah. I didn't, um, blow myself up. I struggle with a back injury from time to time. So I have to be somewhat cautious when I'm lifting heavy, but everything felt really good. I'll, I'll be probably a little bit sore tomorrow or the next day. Like I can really feel my my posterior chain, but the volume is a little bit lower though. So yeah. And I, and I took my time, like I took a little bit more than an hour to get it done just because I didn't want to rush the deadlift. And by the time I got to the deadlift, I think I only had like <laughs> 16 minutes left on the clock or something like that. And that's not, you know, and then, you know, in between sets kind of running back and forth and trying to get things for James and helping him and kind of, you know, still trying to play the role of gym owner and coach for him and still participate and kind of have a little bit of fun and do the workout myself. So I'm thankful that Hannah took the boys so that I could do that because it was really fun. And it was like beautiful day. Doors were open. Music was loud. We were, you know, just talking shit between lifts. And it was a lot of fun. James had his dog in the gym. So it's like. I saw a dog. I was like, yeah. oh, whose dog is that? Haas. Haas was in the gym. So it was just, it was a fun vibe. It was really cool. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm proud of myself because I think. You can get, so first of all, because we had the scale out, I stepped on the scale for the first time in like, I don't even know how long it's been since I've weighed myself. I don't weigh myself. I kind of, um, not that I have a problem with body weight or body image or anything like that, but I like to kind of think about my, my body composition in the perspective of function, you know. Can I, can I do the things that I want to do? Can I play with the boys and not get out of breath? Can I carry a basket of laundry from the basement to the bedroom, you know, without having to stop and put it down and take a break? You know, can I do all of those things functionally? Do my clothes fit well? Do I feel good? Like day to day, do I feel, you know, like I have a positive self-image? So I just never, we don't even have a scale in the house. Nope. I think that's valuable f for having teenage daughters too. Just not tying your self-worth or your image to a number on the scale. So like even through pregnancies, like I don't know how much I weighed during my pregnancy with Hudson and Bo. I have no idea how much I weighed, you know, going into it or coming in out of it. Um, but today I made the mistake of stepping on the scale just out of curiosity to see like if it was working properly because and, and I don't know why I was the one that thought like, hey, let me step on the scale because... You have nothing to base it off of anyways. No, no frame of reference, like how much I weigh. And I was a little bit taken aback by the number. And it was probably about 10 pounds heavier than I would have identified as. <laughs> I identify as being 145 pounds. Um, and when I stepped on the scale, it was 155 pounds. And I kind of like got it in my head that... I should magically be able to lift more because that, the number on the scale. I mean, if you're training heavy and <laughs> eating heavy and putting on weight, yes, that would, that, that typically. Right. But the, the malfunction in my brain <laughs> was that the, the number on the scale should translate to a higher number on the barbell. And I almost let it get me. Like I almost let that kind of like get inside my brain and and ruin my day. I will say I, f I failed epically on a bench press and I'm really, really glad that Kate was there because I actually don't know what happened. Like I took the bar out of the rack and I lost all tension in my trunk. Like my arms turned to spaghetti. The bar literally landed on my chest and Kate didn't even have time to put her hands underneath the bar. Like she had to get me out from underneath it. My leg went flying up in the air. It was like a cartoon character. It was like you know, spaghetti arms trying to work out with Popeye. <laughs> like it was just, it was comical. Um, but I kind of got my head right and circled back and was successful and, and hit 
a, a pretty reasonable number. And the other thing that I try not to let myself get too worked up about is um, like my old PRs. Like when we were training a lot and, you know, going back to like probably 2016, 2017, when we were, you know, eating like it was our job, training really regularly, following, you know, really tight programming, sleeping. <laughs> that there would probably take care of like 40% right? of lifestyle for us. I kind of joked that I peaked in 2017, 2000, 2016, 2017. I, I kind of peaked. So like trying not to have those numbers in my head because when you, everybody, if anybody, uh, lifts, they know what their PRs Even are. They, general, yeah, like they know for, what their numbers are. You know what your friend time is. You know what you're this. I was like, somebody's like, what's your friend time? I'm like, it's been since I've yeah. like actually done it RX and like tried hard. It's been six years. Yeah. So my old bench press was, um, 142. You're close. Not too far off of that. My old back squat was 205 and I hit 185 today. So a little ways to go there. A little room for growth. And I want to say that my old deadlift PR was 250 and I hit 205 today. So a little bit more space there too. Yeah. I tried to hit 215 today, but it just wouldn't go. I think I just, by that time I'd had enough and doing all three lifts in one day was in an hour, in an hour. Yeah. It was yeah. a lot. So, um, yeah, it was fun. It was good. I was, yeah. it was, the vibe was good. The company was great. It was just a lot of fun. That puts an extra pound on right there. <laughs> on my, on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so the farm work this week didn't really start until Saturday. Yeah, we didn't do too, too much through the week. So, I mean, we'll just put it right out on Front Street. We still haven't had a calf yet. Nope. And that's all I'm going to say about that. That's it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to. I, I haven't loaded up the carts here with the... Uh... <laughs> With the, your your My, quote the from hot last buttons. Week. I don't want to talk about it. So we're still waiting on a calf. The flooring guys that we're in, and apparently tomorrow night the milk room floor is supposed to be done, so we can start getting some more. Well, of that it's stuff done in. now. It just has to cure because yeah. it's epoxy, so it's got to spend some time curing. But Saturday we were busy, and Sunday we did not quite as much. Saturday was the busiest day. Saturday was busy. I think we still did stuff on Sunday. It just didn't feel as labor intensive as yeah. Saturday. Saturday a fun. So Saturday we butchered some chickens. Yeah, we had five of our broiler hens that we were saving to try to four of our broiler hens that we were saving to uh, to try to uh, experiment with. And mm -hmm. We learned some things. You can't breed rustic rangers. Well, and don't keep them five months longer than you should. Yeah, we butchered the other ones mid December. So we kept these ones for March, yeah. April, like basically four months, yeah. four four and a bit. Um, not that they were bad. I mean, we don't know. We haven't cooked them yet, so we'll find out. Um, but we also had our uh, our OG rooster, Hudson. Hudson. R.I.P. And our son, Hudson, was in no way upset about this. He no. was excited. Him and Hudson and Hudson didn't have the best of relationships. No, and Hudson's been asking to um, butcher... Hudson the boy has been asking to butcher Hudson the rooster for quite some time now. Oh, like... like Eight, nine, ten months, like yeah. since last summer. And since, so when we... it was not long after the coop was built, Hudson was hanging out, uh, Hudson the boy was hanging out in there and yeah. he got attacked. Yeah. So when we finally made the decision that we were going to butcher chickens this weekend and take the rooster out, we mentioned it to Hudson and his first thing, his first reply was, when I can I home, shoot him? When, when I came home one day, he's like, "Can I shoot the rifle?" Yeah. I was like, "What do you mean?" But he's like, "For Hudson, when yeah. We're, when we when we're butchering the chickens." Yeah. I was like, "Nobody, we're not we're not gonna let you do that quite yet." So we but, want always to we want to include him in as much of the process that he is um, comfortable with, and he, he, I mean, he wanted to do the dispatching of the chicken, but yeah. that I thought was a bit much. So. He was present for that. And we um, try to teach the lesson of treating an animal with respect from the beginning to the end of its life. Yep. And Hudson um, went to the rooster and I said, you know, do you want to say anything to the rooster? And he said in, a, in like a mean, aggressive voice, we're going to butcher you today. And I said, honey, listen. 
we want to make sure that even though it's his time, like today's the day, we want to make sure that we treat him with as much respect in his death as he, as we did in his life. So let's talk him through it, tell him what's going to happen. And then we're going to thank him for his life afterwards. And I think teaching that lesson of like, you know, A, knowing where your food comes from, but also treating an animal with respect in its death. Like we don't take dispatching animals lightly. I had a hard time with that one. I had a hard time with all of them today or this time around. I'm not sure why, but, um, I mean, when I say that, like, yeah, I I don't enjoy that part of the process. I do enjoy, I enjoy having this job to be done. And at the end of it, there's food for us to put on the table. That is absolutely the, one of the most rewarding things that we've ever done aside from having the kids. (laughs) Um, but no, that him, just because he was the first rooster we had. Yeah. He's been the one that we've bred with and like most of the a lot of the other chicks that we have are from him so yeah i had a bit of a hard time with it he was i I kind of wanted that job first yeah did him first and then and he was the reason why we started incubating chicks right like we you know kind of learned a lot of lessons from him um you know what it looks like to keep a rooster what you know incubating fertilized eggs like all of that stuff like watching for that little dot when you crack the egg open that so that shows you that those eggs are fertilized that he's doing his job that now you can start incubating them you know the spurs we'll we'll get back to talking about that (laughs) in a second but like all of the lessons that we learn from him like you know when you need to separate them because they're going to start fighting like you know all of the precautions that you have to take when you have a rooster on the property um that they don't just crow in the morning. They crow from the time the sun comes up to the sun, time the sun goes down. Like it's, you know, it, yeah. it was a novelty to have him here and we still have roosters, but like just, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like the, the, the newness of having a rooster was because of him. Yeah. And I mean, we went into that. It's like when you get a dog, you know that this dog's not forever. Mm-hmm. Same with the rooster. I mean, the difference with the dog is typically you're not the one that has to do the dispatch, but um, you know, and that was kind of the, the hard decision that you have to make on a, on a homestead is yeah. sometimes that has to happen. And I, I mean, I did the job mm-hmm. and before I went and got all the rest of the chickens, I kind of took a minute. Yeah. And even Hudson came over and he knelt down and I said like, you want to put your hand on him and thank him and, and the whole bit. And we did that whole process. And yeah. we do that with basically all the chickens really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, um, we, so we wanted to. Oh, I don't know, <laughs> practice managing his spurs. Um, so we did that after you had dispatched him, after you had, had taken care of him. We tried the potato method of removing the spur and it works. Yeah. Like it, so I, after, um, I, I have a hard time saying like after Hudson was dead, yeah. like after the rooster was dead, um, we, I went and got a potato and stuck it in the microwave for two minutes and then brought went, it in. And I got up and I went and got a pair of pliers. Yeah. And we stuck the potato onto the spur not and just even, kind not of. Not even that long. No, it was about a minute or so, I think, maybe a minute or two minutes. And then it came off so easily with yeah. the pliers. And then so we tried the other one without to see what would happen because obviously we don't have, you know, the threat of a rooster yeah. freaking out and flipping out on us when we're practicing these things. So. And it was very brittle and like basically it, just like crumbled. It came off, but the tip, like the, the base of it crumbled a little bit more. Yeah. It still came off and it wasn't that hard actually. I didn't have to grip it that hard to mm-hmm. come off. I, I do think that I was more willing to, to just kind of bear down on it. Crank on more, it a little more bit. More than if it was a live rooster. Yeah. I think I would be apprehensive to put that much force into it if it was still attached to the rooster's yeah, leg. I don't feel like it was, even on the even on the one that we didn't use a potato on, I don't feel like it was that much force. To, well, and it, it like, it made a, hmm, like a satisfying snap sound when you, the potato one. The other one, like the dry one, so to speak, was just kind of like crumbly and crackly, whereas the other one seemed like it popped off a lot more cleaner. I was really surprised to feel the texture of the quick that was underneath the spur because it was almost sharper. It was 100% sharper. Yeah. And so I don't know like how that's going to prevent the rooster from doing damage to the hen because I still feel like. So like a lot of things, I thought a lot about it. Yeah. Um, I think that 
you're supposed to start it when they're younger. So yeah. it does the, the piece underneath of it never gets as long. Like you're taking, it's always going to get a little bit longer as the rooster grows. Right. The, yeah. The rooster grows. But I think if you do it when it's shorter, I don't think it develops quite the fine point on the end of it. I think that that's a theory worth testing with yeah. the other roosters that we have once they start to develop their spurs because yeah. they've that, got little nubs right now. That was brutal. And then, so then we took it a step further and we tried to like cut that piece underneath to see like, you know, if we, if we cut this on the other roosters, is it going to bleed? And I'm fairly certain that that's the case. Like yeah. it, it bleeds a little bit anyways, but the yeah. tip of it's so fine that there's not a lot of like vein, I suppose, to come out. So it was really interesting. Yep. So we learned something there. We also learned that a almost two year old rooster is not exactly a best, <laughs> it a best was roast chicken meal. Not tender, no. <laughs> not delicious. We did eat most of it. Yeah. Even the skin. Hudson was so disappointed he couldn't eat the skin because it was too rubbery. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I did barbecue it as well, and it went a little bit hot on the barbecue, which probably didn't help. Yeah. But I don't think that cooking it perfectly would have made it a palatable, like an overly palatable chicken. So We we didn't waste it. We did get a meal out of it. Yeah. And then the broilers. Those poor broilers. Those poor ladies. (laughs) They, I mean, we... We were already like even a month ago going, okay, we got to get these guys gone. They're, Mm -hmm. they're, they're not doing the best. And they weren't, so we were saving them for the purpose of trying to see if we could get them to lay eggs and incubate them so that we could have our own broiler chicks without having to rely on getting them from the feed store, like from the hatchery. So, um, that didn't work out the way that we had hoped it would. We never really got any viable eggs. Twice we out tried of it. to hatch them and never. And the it. rooster that we stuck in there was just a like fancy Easter egg or rooster. Um, and we did, I did that on purpose. I picked the bigger, I picked the smaller hens and a bigger rooster, hoping that it would even out, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't get like at, like because part of the problem that they don't, part of the reason they don't last that long is because a lot like I mean large dogs and stuff like that. They grow so fast and so big that most of their organs can't keep up. And that's exactly this with chicken. Yeah. These things go, they go from a day old chick in 11 and a half weeks to a, you know, six, seven, eight pound finished. It's insane how fast they grow. All of, all they do is eat and shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's insane. We have them. Sorry. We'll, we'll finish the the butchering story and then we'll talk about what we've done with those guys on the weekend. So, so we tried to, uh, so we, we figured like, okay, it's ready. Got to get these guys gone. So that was, that was kind of the reason why we were pushing to try to butcher. We had, we had a few hours on a weekend. We could do that. Mm -hmm. So we got all set up. Well, and we needed to clear out space out of the coop because we had other, other chicks that needed to go in there. So we are currently sitting where the chicks used to be because they were in the milk room, then they had to get out of the milk room. They were, oh. So they were in our recording studio it's for a little, a little bit while. of a chick shuffle. Yeah, it was a it was a constant back chicken dance all over the place. No, so. no, 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 no. So we uh, cleared that coop out. The rooster that was with them got an upgrade. Now he's with Hudson's old ladies, and, uh, and we, we butchered everybody. <laughs> Hudson's <up>. old lady, <laughs> like he's a truck driver or yeah. something. <laughs> so we um the other decision, the other thing I said earlier this week when we knew we were going to do it this weekend, I'm like, I said, I think we should try to, because we still have whole chickens in the freezer. Mm-hmm. I said, we should try to part these down. I've done two before. This will be the, you know, four through, or three through six. Um, so we did that. I, afterwards, I, we cleaned them all outside. What do you mean three through six? What do you? Three, four, five, and six. The, the, the number of chickens that I've butchered down, parted out into, into. Oh, I see. So I pulled them down into um, thighs, breasts. Everything all uh, skin off because that's predominantly how we like to eat them. Um, and the, um, the I saved the wings. So we have a 16-piece wing in a vacuum-sealed bag. <laughs> wing night. So, um, yeah, and we've got – and the breasts on these things are insane. Yeah, I mean – Even even not optimally. We had them on mostly layer feed for the last three months. I put them on finisher for a couple of days. Yeah. And they were still massive yeah to a fault yeah well yeah and that's the other thing we learned is like what they start doing and because it hasn't warmed up that much yet they still have a lot of fat both on like under the skin and in the cavity to the point where it was like there's usually a little bit of room in Mm -hmm. the cavity of a chicken Mm -hmm. there was no room in these things no and their livers were weird yeah so this is the one we did Again, normally we don't want to do this, but we did end up throwing out most, uh, like all of the internals. We mm-hmm. normally, like the boys love heart and liver. Um, we normally save that. 
we compost the rest of it. We've got a great pile out back that I keep burying it all in. I have to bury it. So I don't put it in our regular compost pile. I put it in a different one because we want to bury it. We don't want to attract predators. Normally we would save some of the internals. Um, we didn't, we opted not to just because they didn't look the healthiest. Yeah. And I think that's what made me feel kind of bad about keeping yeah. them past their prime was that it didn't benefit them. No. And our experiment didn't work. And we ended up wasting a little bit of, well, we, we wasted a lot of feed because yeah. we didn't. That's converted to fat. All of that fat in their bodies came from Feeding the them. atrocious amount of feed they eat. Um, and yeah, we ended up throwing out a lot of the, the meat that, and when I say meat, I mean like organ meat yeah. that we would have used from those chickens. Yeah. So, I mean four birds taught us like we learned a lot of lessons the broiler birds taught us some lessons this weekend the rooster taught us a lot of lessons this weekend and then um we put the the new broiler chicks out on pasture on the weekend yep. so that was the, the that was outdoor good. mobile chicken tractor is not quite finished but it's finished enough that they can go in it there's a big there's actually a ladder laying across the top to help keep it closed but otherwise they're out there i was somewhat concerned about being them being safe out there but so far so good yeah. i mean i think don't that jinx it, no <laughs> so we've got them out on ruby's old pasture so we're kind of pulling them along in the tractor when we say tractor i mean we mean like mobile chicken house yeah. um kind of dragging it you know across the pasture so that they have a fresh piece of grass to to graze on each day and they seem to be doing well out there i mean they're still eating grain like they're still eating a little bit of feed but hopefully less as the days go on and they kind of yeah. learn to graze a little bit more and the warmer it gets to the more bugs and stuff are out there it's mm -hmm. still pretty early for a lot of that stuff like it's going to be like eight or nine degrees tonight yeah so yeah they're out there which is nice makes the morning chores a heck of a lot easier yeah instead of having to clean up all the waters and everything for the uh for the chicks that were in brooders inside because they make a mess when they're in the brooder boxes yeah. out there all i do is top off the water and top off the feed and yeah. away it goes i'd really like to get the layers out there too yeah It'd be nice that's, to the, get that's one there. of the next things is we want to try to get a system to be able to get the layers to go out on pasture a little bit here and there as well you had this really elaborate idea of building all these tunnels to go Still out do it, and I, no i'm not saying don't do it i'm just saying like yeah. we can't keep waiting to get the chickens out on pasture for you to get that job done yeah. and there are other jobs that are going to be of more importance than chicken tunnels yeah. like i think we can just get them out on that pasture now that we have a more simplified group like we have layers and then the broilers are in that little tractor and we can like the reason why we kept them separated was for feed because yes. the broilers eat different feed than layers but now that the broilers are in that tractor we don't have to keep them separated because of feed so we can just put those layers out on the pasture yep. and we know that they'll go home and they do Chickens they'll go home, home to roost so i don't know i think we just turn them loose in that pasture I still have a bit of work to do that, but it's significantly less work than coming up with more of these tractors. It's cutting a hole in the side of the coop. I have to put a door on it, though. You have to be able to close Meh. it. You've got to be able to close it at night. So I think you just open that middle outside door and then open the outside, outside, outside door. No. no, no. <laughs> I said this before. In, with about a half hour's work, I can come up with a door that we can individually let them out, right, direct out of the run. The caged run, they can get in and out directly there. So we can do them one at a time. They'll rotate what day one, day two, day three. Okay. I got an idea. Okay. Uh, what else? As, as usual, I've been thinking always, about it for three days. You always have an idea. So that was, uh, so Saturday, we butchered kind of midday. The girls helped a little with Bo. Hudson was out with us. We did all the clean out outside, and then we brought them in. You, Hannah, I think, put Hudson down for a nap. And uh, I finished off parting everything out. That is a chore and a half. Mm -hmm. It took me longer to take four chickens and part them down to to like breast, thigh, wings. Yeah. So I went to I went into town to pick up the milk, and I was gone for about two and a bit hours. And you were still working when I got back. So yeah, you got back for about fifteen or twenty minutes, and I was back sealing everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was it's time consuming. Yeah, that's a lot of work, but. I, to be honest, I mean, I do think I've watched people do it. I watched there's like there's this video that I keep seeing some 
like I don't know real or whatever. And this guy does it. He's got a bag chicken, but he takes that chicken out and literally breaks it down in thirty it's seconds. Like, yeah, it fits in a reel. Yeah, like, and he's got the thing completely done. It now. I don't think he did all bone off. He didn't debone the legs and stuff. He just got mm-hmm. a separate leg, which you could do. But like, there's some like that pepper cache that you make that I that that we really like. That you like you, to you take need, it all down. You need the bone out for that. Yeah. So I suppose you could probably do it with bone in. You could. You'd have to pull the bones out before you serve it. But yeah. That might be neat. We'll try that one time. I'll, I'll leave some legs on and we'll say, we'll try to do it. I can break them down into into four pieces. And... Because I make it in the pressure cooker, it might make the brothy part a little bit more rich if you left the bones in. Yeah. I, I think that would be fine. I mean, yeah. once you, like you said, once you break it down, you'd have to pull all the bones out of it. But that's... That's not a big deal. I don't think that's a deal breaker. So we'll try that next time and report back, but... Yeah. Because that would save a lot. I can get the breasts off pretty quick. It's the the thighs are the real work. Mm-hmm. I was, it was like less than an hour and I had the, like I had the legs off and the bre- and the breasts all done off. And then, I, yeah, from there. And your I mean, hands were sore. I think yeah, you need my, a sharp. My forearm. I think you need a sharper knife. That knife was brand new. That yeah, knife was I'm, sharp. Yeah. I think actually, well, Nick and Bone the whole time, I should have stopped halfway, cleaned it off, sharpened it, and mm-hmm. then gone back to work. Because I could tell by the end of it, it was getting a little tougher. Yeah. But that, I mean, when I started that, that knife was brand new. Mm-hmm. I bought a brand new Victorinox deboning knife. And it, Hannah was actually, she's like, why did you have to get a whole nother knife? I'm, and it was not, they're not expensive. It was like 50 bucks or something. But I'm like, the big thing is that actually the metal is thinner. It flexes. And it's flexy. So mm-hmm. when you're trying to get off of the breastbone of the chicken, you can actually like bend the knife around it, mm-hmm. which I don't, didn't have a knife that would do that. All my other ones are too thick. They're like for chopping and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So use the right tools. Yep. But, so and then that was Saturday. Sunday we went, well, Hudson had farm school. Yep. Um, so we dropped him off. Still haven't <laughs> picked him up from farm school ever. No. Well, I mean, that sounds like we've never picked him up from, he's still there. He's still at farm school. We've never picked him up. No, in, in the three times that he's gone to farm school, we haven't, we've dropped him off, but we've not picked him up. Yeah. Um, so he went to the reptile zoo with your dad. Yep. Your, so your dad picked him up and, and while he was at farm school, he fell in the creek. <laughs> so he's, he went, he went out with my dad with borrowed clothes. Um, leave it to my kid to fall in the creek. Yeah. He didn't seem to be too upset about it. Not like last time he fell in the pond. Yeah. Well, that was different. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted to fall in that pond either. Um, but then we got to go to the market with just Bo yeah. and that was kind of nice to spend some time with just little Bobo. Yeah. He's, he's a different kid when his brother's not around. He's so chill. Like, there's no one to fight with. There's no one to steal his toys. There's no one to, like, fight for attention. He climbed in the bottom of the stroller and almost fell asleep on the walk-in top. Inside. Yeah, little sweetheart. He's such a sweet little guy. Butter. And we went to our favorite ice cream place. We went to go see Julie to get stocked back up on ice cream because our freezer was bare. We had no more ice cream. It had been, like, three weeks since we went to the market. Yeah. Um, What's your favorite flavor? I mean, I know this question, but, like... Nuts without moo. Yeah. They've, I think it still has it as the subheading, but the label says peanut butter and chocolate. And it is. It's dairy-free. And it's absolutely insane. It surprised me to know that the ice cream was just peanut butter and water. Like, there's no dairy in it at all. And I, I always wondered, like, how is this possible? It's so creamy. And we asked her one day and she said fat, it's just fat the peanut blended butter. peanut butter um the fats and the peanut butter make it so creamy and it just is so smooth and then chocolate ripple and then candied peanuts kind of stirred in it's the most delicious ice cream i'm reliving last night's pint right now yeah it's pretty tasty so we did that with Bo, and then we ran into a friend of ours who is heavy with baby yeah. <laughs> expecting any day now so it was kind of nice to see her and like chat for a little while and kind of extend some um extend an offer to help either before the baby comes or when the baby comes even because i know that she is um such an adventurous mom she likes to be out with the girls and you know out foraging and all of those things so yeah, if she, but I mean, the four kids in the back. My that. point in saying that is like, you know, would you, 
either way, like, do you want me to spend time with your girls so you can spend time with your baby? Or do you want me to spend time with your baby so you can spend time with your girls? Because I just know, like, when we were in that season of feeling like, I don't know, like you're spread so thin, like you just can't be there for everyone. You know, if someone would have just reached out and said, like, hey, what can I do to help you today? Like, can I, and even, even taking that off your plate and just coming in saying like, Hey, I'm going to bring your girls over to my place to play with the boys for a little while. Or, Hey, I'm going to come over and hang out with the baby so that, you know, you can have a nap or do whatever it is that you want with your kids. Like someone to just come in and really take charge and like take care of the things that need to be taken care of. Right. Like I just, I just want to do that for her. So it was nice to see her on Saturday extend that out to her she's a sweetheart and sunday we also visited oh we visited our kijiji friends (laughs) isn't it incredible how these relationships can be forged and started so we bought hang equipment our miniature hang equipment from kijiji from this lovely couple in thamesford is it Thorndale. thorndale I get that area mixed up. Um, but I mean, they've kind of become friends. Like we went for a second visit when we went to pick up the third piece of equipment because we couldn't bring it all back on in one shot. And we brought them one of the broilers that we butchered because they had, they have their own chickens. They have laying hens and they've kind of, you know, dabbled the same way we have. Um, but they've never butchered their own chickens and, and Michelle you know, expressed some curiosity about that and some interest in, in learning how to do that themselves. And so we brought them one of our chickens and they were carrying on about, they had eaten it and they were carrying on about how good it was. And, um, so we, we actually went this time to go get some comfrey from Michelle. You wanted to pick it up when we went for the last piece of equipment a while ago, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite up yet. Yeah. It was a little bit too early for it still, but she said, you know, once it comes up, come on back and I'll get you some, we'll break it up and, and she has lots and four buckets full. Yeah. So super generous, like busted up this huge bunch of comfrey for us to take home and, and transplant. And it started raining while we were out in the garden. So we went inside and had a cup of tea and which is really great. Cause I was not feeling well on yeah. Sunday morning. I'm not sure if it was the, because of the pressure. Like yeah. I had what felt like a migraine and, and a storm front rolling. In. Oh man. I just felt so like headachy and nauseous. And so had a cup of peppermint tea and that seemed to turn things around a little bit. So that was kind of nice. Um, but anyway, so we went inside and sat and had a cup of tea and chatted for a little while and she shared some seeds with us. She was just, and it was funny because I think she gave them to me thinking that I was going to be the one that (laughs) was the gardener. I'm like, I'm going to give these to the gardener. And I tucked them in Bill's, Bill's pocket because they, yeah, that's not my, that's not my jam. That's you. You're the gardener. You like heavy animals. Yeah, (laughs) sure do. (laughs) Um, yeah, they're just like really sweet people and then kind of in chatting with them and they're always asking about Hudson. They seem to be like really enamored with the boys and they carry on about how cute the boys are. And we only had Bo with us. So, you know, Paul was asking about Hudson and I said, oh, he's at farm school this morning. And oh, where does he do that? Da-da-da. And kind of through chatting found out that they know Nicole who runs the farm school that Hudson goes to. And in fact, Nicole used to babysit their son. So it was just like so cool that our, our families and our lives are kind of interwoven with each other. Like, you know, because we answered a Kijiji ad or we responded to a Kijiji ad for some hang equipment. And now like we have these people who, you know, we probably could count them as friends and they'd be, you know, one of those people that we could call on, like, I said, like, they, they want to do chickens. I'm like, if you don't want to do all the butchering and everything, like, I mean, if, if you don't want to be committed to doing all of the butchering, I'm like, just get your chickens. We'll get them at the same time so the butcher date will be the same because they're going to order them the same mm-hmm. from the same hatchery. And I said, just when you're ready, like, throw them in a box or crate or whatever. They said, they got a, well, they've got horses, so they got a big horse trailer. And I'm yeah. like, just throw them in there and bring them over. And we'll just do a day of, like, it, for us, it'd be good to have an extra, extra couple of hands. And what yeah. are you doing 12 or 24 with a couple extra people? Like, well, and people. we have all the equipment for it, too, right? Like, we've, and I think it's one of those things. It's like any kind of food prep or preservation. Like, the, 
the preparation and the cleanup always take the longest. Once you get rolling, the middle parts, you know, often the easiest. So like getting the boiler going, getting the plucker going, like getting all of that stuff sort of um, organized is the most difficult part. But the actual work of it, it's it's short work, especially with, you know, more hands. I don't know that more hands would make that job easier necessarily. Because we, we kind of have it down to a bit of a science. But anyway, like having them over to kind of do a work share kind of day and, you know, have dinner together. I, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think that would be really fun yeah. to have them out. So why did you want Comfrey? I read in the Keeping the Family Milk Cow book that Comfrey is kind of one of those herbs that are a bit of a catch-all for um, like medicinal purposes it has um, i'm learning that it has really really high nitrogen so it's good for composting and putting nitrogen back into the ground um i don't think i fully understand all of the ways that it's useful but i just knew that i wanted to have some and i couldn't find it in any of the garden centers in fact one lady like kind of scoffed at me when i told her that i was looking for it and she said, why would you want that? It's going to overtake your garden. And I was like... I got 14 acres. We're going to put it yeah. in a corner and let it and go. And also, I have a big fat cow that I don't want to feed it to. So she's not going to like... So, um, yeah. So, so that's why... On the way I... home from, from there, it was on the way home from the market after actually. You were... You Googled looking for videos. Yeah. And we found... Came across just one of Justin Rhodes' videos about comfrey. So if you want to know some... Like, I think he's probably one of... Like, Joel Salatin is the OG. Well, and I would say that, like, you know, and and Justin Rhodes says it. Like, Joel Salatin is his mentor. Absolutely. So, like, kind of the trickle down of paying it forward in these, like, we kind of talked about it in the very beginning, like, the, the wise men and women who, like, generationally passed down knowledge and you know build a legacy on handing that down i think yeah i think joel salatin is the pioneer in a lot of that stuff i mean of not not that he's pioneering doing it <laughs> that he's pioneering bringing it back yeah like yeah the um, revival of it the is regenerative agriculture yeah. and the rotational grazing and the like and the follow-on grazing with multiple animals and then i think the the, the different the big difference i think is justin rhodes was doing the near daily video blogs. Mm-hmm. Joel Salatin's not doing that. No, it does. It, what, seeing it every day and having another little piece, even just a seven or ten minute video every day or every couple of days, I think really it changes. And as I say, like I love and hate YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I can't uh, see us ever doing something like that. Even oh, it's so time like, consuming. I don't think I could do it. Like actually, like filming everything, and I mean because. I've done enough video production that when you see these shots of them doing it, I'm like, they had to walk over there, set the camera up, get it going, go back to the thing. Like when you see them drive by on a tractor, well, they had to do that. Like they had to Mm -hmm. go over, set the camera up, go back, drive the tractor over, go back, pick up the camera, like, and then edit out the pieces and everything. It's just a ridiculous amount of work and the video takes forever to actually edit and whatnot. And our internet is so good. (laughs) It would take... It would be so... That wouldn't even be a problem. <laughs> I can't even say. Like right, it, uploading and, and editing videos would just take uh, such an epic amount of time. Like it just... It's, yeah. The, the, that, the editing's local, but the upload would be like... I mean, I would probably end up just doing that at work. <laughs> I would just take it on my laptop to work and upload from there. I mean, I do that with... I do that most of the time with the podcast anyways, but even that's not that large. Just But anyway, Justin Rhodes has this... Um, he had a whole video on it but he has a series like his he has a he has a subscription channel called abundance plus where he platform yeah so he has um he features a lot of different homesteads and we've been kind of binge watching abundance plus like that's the tv that we watch now so one of the videos that i found about comfrey was um justin rhodes like sampling it to his livestock and kind of seeing like which animals would eat it and which ones wouldn't he equated it to a lot like getting your kids to eat vegetables mm-hmm. where they'll, they'll eat it but they're, they're reluctant for it they're going to eat all the other good stuff first then they'll circle back to it so i didn't finish watching the video to see like which animals actually ate it and which ones didn't but um it was just kind of interesting to see like the, his video was one of the ones that yeah. popped up when i was googling like so comfrey for dairy cows justin so. rhodes is a great just him whatever homesteading thing you want to know just put justin rhodes 
whatever blank and you'll find good stuff yeah and i think like we were kind of talking about who kind of inspired us to like get started or like do what we're doing and we have a couple of friends um who have kind of they left the city and bought a rural property this cute little you know one bedroom cabin with 10 acres and they're they just threw caution to the wind and went all in the minute they moved to this property like they got chickens they got turkeys they got a dairy cow like sheep beautiful well the the sheep doesn't really count because the sheep is just a companion for the the cow so like bailey's just there so daisy doesn't get lonely they planted this huge beautiful garden like they just you know it and I don't know that I needed permission necessarily, but it was kind of like, yeah, why can't we do this? Like, who's saying, who do we have, who are we waiting for permission from to do this? So. The clock. The clock. <laughs> yeah. The clock's our biggest slowdown. Yeah, I'd say that. But even like looking at Justin and his wife, Rebecca, like hitting the road with four toddlers and a bus to do their great American farm tour. That certainly was not without its challenges. I mean, not the least of which is being in a bus for a year with four kids and like leaving your farm behind. And And I don't think the baby was born yet. I don't, I think the baby was born after they got back. Um, But just like, and, but just the reason why they did that was so that they could learn from other homesteaders. And also they said like, we just kind of settled here by default because mm-hmm. it was his, he's third generation on mm-hmm. that land. He's like, we kind of had this by default. So is this really where like the right we place didn't make a to decision be. to live here? Yeah. We're just here. And he said through the whole thing. So we, the fourth episode or whatever of his, there's a the series, the main series that he features is rooted and that's about his family. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different series on it that feature different families and whatnot. There's some, there's some more like masterclass style stuff where there's like a, you know, Joel Salatin does like a 12 part, like regenerative ag bit and everything. Um, but his series, I think it was episode four or five that we watched. It was about the farm tour. And he said like, part of it was like, we want to go see all the different places where people are doing this. And maybe we don't want to be where we are. Maybe mm-hmm. we want to be somewhere else. Yeah. And he said like, by the end of it, we knew we wanted to be where we were. Well, and he's, I think the the one thing that he said that kind of like struck a chord with me was like, everybody, no matter where they live is going to have their challenges. They're going to have, but regardless of where they were and how they had to do what they were doing, they were all still happy. Yeah, and like, doing it. He was talking about the, was it the farmer in Minnesota? He's like, it it's gets minus. He's like, wow, it's really hot out here today. It's like 90 degrees. He's like, Justin is, is, um, commenting on how hot it was there. And he's like, but how cold does it get here in the winter? And the farmer says to him, like the homesteader that he's visiting says minus 60, it's like 150 degree temperature swing. And I was just nodding in agreement. Like, <laughs> yeah, like maybe we're not that extreme here, but like, when you're when you convert Celsius to Fahrenheit, it's like it's probably pretty close. Like last few, I mean, it's not. It is not out of the realm of possibility to be thirty or thirty-five below here. Now that's Celsius, which is close to the same in Fahrenheit. Um, so they're, they're definitely in Minnesota. They're colder now. They're farther north than we are, and they're out in the plains. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of the Great Lakes, so we've got lake effect snow. So we typically will. I mean, when we get a dump, it's usually more. The thing last couple of years, it's been mild where we haven't seen much below 10 or 12 below. The problem is it'll be that two or three days and we'll get a foot of snow. And then four days later, it'll be five degrees and we're mm-hmm. freezing and we lose everything. The so freeze thaw is hard on it's, everything. And it's, it's hard on equipment. It's hard on the animals. It's hard on your mood. Mm-hmm. Like I said this, like, and this is why last year, I mean, when things weren't traveling, people weren't traveling much because of COVID. We bought it. We got a, not bought, we rented a cabin, like a cottage up north for a couple of weeks because i'm like it's only moderately colder up there i mean it turns out it was colder up there (laughs) Um, that week in particular was really one week we were there it was was cold but that's but that's not unseasonable for here either we can easily get that that here we were only five hours north um the difference is like they're consistently below freezing the lakes freeze there's the snow there's like fresh snow on the husky hills so we did we snowshoeing can, we, can, yeah. we went like, ice well, fishing if we, we can't go somewhere south where yeah. it's warm like we often do we're going like well, if we got to stay in the cold like 
whether it's five or five or ten below makes not much difference to how comfortable like you can't like you can you can't do much there the problem is like it doesn't stay below and we don't have any of the fun snow things to do so we're like screw it let's go up north so that's what we did that and that's just said like lately the bigger problem is that we don't have a consistent like i, I would almost rather it be 15 below for two months and have the snow stick around and, and be able to do stuff like go snowmobiling and go snowshoeing and go ice fishing and all of those fun winter activities. Like it doesn't feel like there's ever enough actual winter. Yeah. It's just like the gray slushy mucky for it's, it's eight months of the year. spring from like the end of November, beginning of December through till well, March. Well, not April. even then because spring to me is like green and growth and, you know. You know, the promise of yeah, life. It's the first three <laughs> days of spring for three months. I it's guess. like the gross bit of fall that never ends. And whatever. So anyway, Justin Rhodes just kind of like that was the thing that resonated with me that like, you know, no matter what challenges all of these farmers across America are facing, they are all doing it and ha doing it happily. Yeah. And so that was kind of like, you know, our, our mucky, heavy Adelaide clay soil be damned. Yeah. We can be. We'll find a way to make it work. We can we can be happy. Could truck in about ten yards of <laughs> compost soil to mix into it. So we're gonna do it. But... Uh, what else did you want? Oh, what else did we do? We planted, we oh, dug in a flower bed. So we put a bee garden in. I'm excited about that. We'll so see we used that we used this really sweet tiller that we bought. We're <laughs> like, now we can just put gardens anywhere. It's really easy. <laughs> and in like what ten minutes, I had it yeah. basically tilled up, and then we planted. Wild, wildflower seeds. Mm -hmm. You put your comfrey in there. Yeah. So I put, um, you kind of use the bed shaper to kind of make a trench along the front of it. And I put the comfrey along the, the trench in the front. And then we planted sunflower seeds, milkweed. milkweed. And then I got a, like one of those shaker canisters of wildflower seeds. So we shook Back that towards in. towards where the bees are going to go. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be our little bee garden. So hopefully that comes up nicely and... We'll just have to make sure that we keep the pasture out of it because yeah. I think it'll be too easy for the pasture to encroach upon that wildflower yeah, garden. If I, if I keep it mowed back, if I throw the mower on every once in a while, I'll just take a lap around it because like, I'm going to have to do over by our other gardens as well. Mm -hmm. And then late last night, after, yeah, the boys after we went put to bed, the boys to bed, we did all the chores and we were like, there was still some daylight left and it was yeah, pretty why, nice why, out. Why don't so. we go do something? Yeah. So we went out back and I sorted through all my seed packets and pulled out some some stuff that could go in the ground a week before last frost or first frost last frost last frost. last frost so we did some direct seed sowing in our raised beds carrots beets peas beans some lettuce some kale that was it mm -hmm. so we got all that in the ground back in my play play garden and then we want to put some we want to get some potatoes in the ground and then i think those two beds that we put in a few weeks ago we're going to plant some viney things in there so like some melon and squash and i bought more potatoes like and onions at Hoskins today <laughs> and seed potatoes so we should i mean maybe this weekend we need to get the tiller going again and put yeah. a couple more rows in there so we can put our our rows of three sisters and i put i ordered two yards of topsoil in those big bags you were just saying that yeah so they're on order for pickup wednesday afternoon so wednesday i'm going to take the trailer to work get rid of the garbage i'm not really sure why you planned that for wednesday because olivia has an archery tournament oh. in st thomas because i didn't because it's not on the calendar <laughs> i looked i actually looked at the calendar hmm. and it's not on there and we have dinner with your parents so i don't know how we're gonna well because i figured i'd just take the trailer to work unload the garbage stop by there on the way home come back and drop it off hmm. maybe i can still do that if you leave early enough yeah. because we'll have to pick her up from school and drive her you know, whatever, half an hour away. So if you get home early enough, you can still swing it. I'll have to, I might have to move the pickup time up a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I've got two, two, they, they sell it in these big bags, a yard each. I don't think that that is going to be easier than our current situation because, because I think moving that around is going to be much more difficult. No. If they deliver 10 yards in a pile, we have to take a scoop, a scoop by scoop in the tractor and move it over. Mm -hmm. With this, I can pull the trailer right up to the beds and we can just shovel it right into the beds from the trailer. I'm still not convinced. I think you'll be okay. <laughs> well, and, and once we get the bag half empty, I can pick it up with the tractor. 
And then do what? Cut the bottom out of it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I don't have a pile left over. Right? Like, you can get it all gone. But where will we put the worms? <laughs> uh, when when there's some, we'll get, I'll set it down on the ground somewhere and there'll still be, Sherry and Hudson and Bo found a, a fallen nest with a baby in it. Yeah, a little baby robin it in it. Hudson found it. Hudson yeah. was the one that found it. It had fallen out of the tree. I don't know if it got knocked out of the tree or if it fell out of the tree, but it was on the lawn and it had a baby robin with a wide open mouth and an unhatched egg inside it. And so Sherry remembers from yesterday from moving soil for the for the uh the gardens. She remembers where there was a pile of worms. So we had a a tarp of laid laid a tarp down and then compost on top of it. And um when we were kind of moving the compost to put into the raised beds, I had lifted the tarp to kind of like push the soil back into a, a pile that was easier to scoop up and it was just rich with worms underneath. So when we found this little baby robin, we took asked Hudson, like, Do you want, would you like to feed the baby bird? And so we went back to the compost pile and collected some worms. And Hudson, yeah, he was, he's I would, dropping worms. Yeah, in. I said, as soon as that baby robin opens its mouth, you drop a worm inside its mouth. Because if he got close to it, then the, the robin would it. like snap its mouth back shut. Um, but as soon as that mouth opened and he dropped a worm inside it, the, the baby bird just mm-hmm. gobbled it right up. So we tried to put her back up in the tree. So, so I, I don't, don't have high hopes. Yeah, but. I don't, I, but I mean, being up in the tree, it's out of sight, out of mind for Hudson. So he doesn't have to watch a baby bird die in its nest on the lawn. So, but I don't, did you notice like how many baby the, birds are on the lawn? Like yeah, up front, there's a, there's another nest fell out of a tree. There's two I, birds. I think the window here now. I, I think so too. Like either the wind is knocking them out or, or other birds are, you know, throwing babies out of nests. I don't know, but there seems to be by the front door. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of baby birds scattered about the lawn. Um, the other thing I forgot to say was, um, when Hudson was helping us butcher the chickens, he was (laughs) sharing with us all of the words that rhyme with pluck. So I hope that he got all all of the rhyming words out of his system before he goes to daycare tomorrow (laughs) and tells Miss Katie about all of the words that rhyme with pluck. Bless his little heart. <laughs> he was playing with the feet. He was playing with <laughs> chicken feet. With Hudson's feet. He was kind walking of walking around pretending to walk around with them. Yeah. I sent the the video of that to the family chat and kind of said, like, is he gonna be the weird kid? <laughs> no, not going to be. <laughs> he is the weird kid. <laughs> Anything else you had to talk about? Um, the only other thing that I had on my list is that we might be going back to visit um Melissa from Earth and Honeybee, she invited us to come back this weekend because they have another bee course on Saturday and they're going to be going into the hives. Because the weather's going to be Because the weather's going to be a bit nicer. So um, she must have listened to the podcast when we talked about that and said that that was the thing that I had hoped to see. So they invited us to come and um, have a peek inside the hives. So if we can either manage daycare or... I think you should just go. Yeah. Either way, we'll work it out and we'll end up there on the weekend, either one of us or both of us, and we'll get to take a peek inside the hives and get maybe get maybe get some more questions answered. Yeah. I might send you with a list hmm. stuff to buy. Well, that would be good because we have other things that we need to bring home from them anyway. So, What are you most excited to grow? The garden. Like the stuff that we planted or yeah. just kind of in general? Not stuff we've already planted, just in general this year. Um... I would actually be excited to have melon oh. out of the garden because I know that the boys, See, I, you I, don't like it, but I, the boys I've never, do. I've never looked at growing it because I don't You don't enjoy melon, it. So. Um, and I think sweet corn, our own sweet corn. I've I think. never done corn before. Either. Yeah. Fun. What about you? I love growing tomatoes. Yeah. I just like. There's nothing better. Grocery store tomatoes are a trap. Like they just they taste like disappointment they look like tomatoes <laughs> but they taste like disappointment they're just it's i like i literally will not eat tomatoes all year long just and when that first tomato comes up i get so excited 
I love like, I, and I, I'm not even like one of those like I don't love tomatoes all the time, but there's something about fresh tomatoes out of the garden. Are you gonna my... do anything with the tomatoes from the grow tower? I'm gonna I'm gonna propagate those. I'm gonna pull suckers off of them and try to breed them. I should do that soon. You know what else I noticed? We've got a little bit of mint and a little bit of lemon ball back there. We could actually walk back, grab some, and make some tea tonight. Let's do it. Because last tired. summer, almost every night, chamomile, lemon balm, mint, honey. We used to make it like last summer. It was mm-hmm. almost every night made tea. So yeah, let's go have a, a tea. While. We and I used up all of the stuff we saved. So let's go have a tea. Sounds good to me. Talk to you later, folks.